Did you know that at any given point in time, it is estimated that roughly 30% of the population is suffering or dealing with some form of lower back pain? And roughly estimated that 80% of us at any given point in our lives will have some sort of back pain. And the reason why we share this is it is a very uh, prevalent, if you want to call it condition or issue or ailment. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to categorize everything into this, like into, into that per se kind of box, but it's likely that if you're listening to this, you've had back pain yourself and or right now you can probably think of someone, whether that be a coworker, a family, a friend, or someone within your local network or immediate kind of group or circle is dealing with some form of back pain. Now, what happens is most of us just, we kind of just brush it off and, and knowing that maybe this statistic, this statistic or knowing how prevalent it is, we're kind of just assume like, ah, you know, it's just flaring up again. It'll just run its course. So if this is you, or if you know someone, please share this with them because I guarantee this is going to help. And this is based on, again, another case that we had today. And I'm actually compiling a couple different cases and, and I'll, <clears throat> and I'll highlight the nuances and differences and how this will be applicable for you. But what we're going to be talking about today is what we refer to as flexion intolerant low back pain. Now, we're putting this name on it, and if you talk to your physio, your physical therapist, your chiro, your ortho, there's going to be a lot of different names. <clears throat> but we're more so categorizing this based on the, um, the movement dysfunction and or the intolerances that you may not agree with. And so uh, based on that name, flexion intolerant, you do not tolerate flexion well. So what does that mean? Flexion means anytime your spine or your, in particular, your lower back is flexing forward. Now, this often gets confused because that does not mean that it is only simply flexing forward. Think about other positions in which your spine would be in a flexed or stooped or slumped position. Those are all flexion. This could be sitting in your car. This could be sitting on your couch. This could be sitting at your dinner table, sitting at work. Um, this could also be how you're laying down, um, uh, depending on whether it's a couch or the bed or other things like that. This could also be the position that you're sleeping in. All right, so there's a lot of other ways and areas in which we are flexing that lower back, and that is causing pain, irritation, or, <clears throat> you know, God forbid, other symptoms that may be included with sciatica and nerve pain, so on and so forth. So that's that's what we're talking about. Now, what we have found is that to be that's kind of the majority of what most people experience when they're dealing with lower back pain. And there are other cases where you're extension intolerant and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, but the majority of what most people would agree with is that we see is this flexion-based um, intolerance or issue. And why is we, we live forward? We live, the world that we live in is in front of us. So we're always picking stuff up. And especially nowadays, we're always sitting and depending on what type of fitness and exercise you're doing or working out or training, you're picking things up again. Um, you're doing hit style training with core work and abs and crunches, so on and so forth. So there's, there tends to be a lot of reasons as to why we're seeing this. Now, how is it managed? To be honest, it's, it's being, it's being uh, mismanaged a lot. And 
this is just what this is just happens with healthcare. You know, we're not we're not faulting anyone for this, uh, and I'm not saying that my way is the only and best way. We're just we're just going to share a couple of things that we have found to be super helpful and super beneficial for the clients and the patients that we have seen, and we hope it does for you too. And if you're curious about some of the more nuances and details of this, uh, we have videos on our YouTube and our Facebook page. Uh, for those of you that are following us right now, we are going through a major rebrand, um, but we're trying to keep consistent with the content so you guys can stay along with us on that journey and the ride, but also still provide you value while we're going through that. Um, just know that we'll, we'll, we will solidify and combine all this as best as we can. We're going to be coming out with some low back courses and some webinars and different things that you have access to that will have more demonstrations, so on and so forth. But excuse me, <clears throat> for now, when we're talking about the flexion intolerance, the first thing is determining that it is flexion intolerant. So when you, on, on a, any given day, if this is you or someone you know, again, asking or being honest with yourself is like, what are the things that tend to flare me up? And most of us know because we're avoiding doing them or you do them in a very weird, weird, weird way, i.e. when you bend over to brush your teeth or when you go to unload the dishwasher, you do this kind of like weird upright squat thing because you don't want to bend forward and you know bending forward hurts. So that's a clear indication to us that this is um, that flexion intolerant category. And there are a number of different reasons as to why that happens. And we have our opinions from what I tend to see to be more of the prevailing issue, but we're not diving into that today. We're going to give you just a couple things that will help you if this is the case. Now, again, this is not medical advice. You should be managing this with someone nearby. Uh, if you don't have a great resource nearby, feel free to reach out to us. We'd, we'd be glad to help you connect with someone in your local community if we know. Um, and then we also offer some online consultations, coaching and training, so on and so forth, where we'd be able to provide you the, the right direction and the necessary exercises based on your presentation. So <clears throat> first and foremost, get that out of the air. We are not saying that this will fix your issue, but we tend to see that this is very beneficial and helpful for many people. So again, determining what it is is, is super helpful and super beneficial because so you can't you can't get better if you keep pissing things off if you keep scratching at the surface if you keep poking at it you're only going to keep irritating things more and more and then it kind of just festers and flares up so part of it is don't do the things that hurt and do more of the things that feel better easy <laughs> it seems pretty straightforward and easy right but most of us just assume that oh well i was told to stretch my hamstrings i was told to stretch my low back so i just got to keep i just got to keep at it and i got to keep just grinding through it even though it does not feel good <clears throat> seeing this time and time again and one of the patients talking to some of the cases we were going to talk about rightfully given for this individual's um quote-unquote sciatica that he had he actually did not have any lower back pain or tightness but had a clear presentation of sciatica but based on our evaluation assessment, it was determined that the issue was coming from his lower back. It wasn't a like sciatic strain issue of what they thought was previously like a hamstring insertion tear, but it was clearly sciatica. <clears throat> but no, but low back pain, which again kind of gets confusing because you assume you have to have low back pain with sciatica for many people. So this individual was giving flossing exercises and he was doing them well and he was doing them often, but was not instructed that when you're doing nerve flossing or nerve mobilizations is you can't go into that 
that that stretch that you're feeling, the nerve stretching, then kind of gives you that nervy symptoms. He thought that was a good thing. And so he was doing it more and more. And what happened is he just pissed it off, pissed it off to the point where everything was hurting now, just moving the wrong little direction, basically sent him these like pins and needles and weird fiery pain. So that'd be an example of like, we can't, we got to do the right thing just enough and and not over and overdo it. So it, it's it, it's tough. It's and and the and really realistically, it boils down to this is what we were saying: the right thing for you. When you're looking at a protocol or anything like that, there's times where I skip over things, or I'm like, or or I go backwards. We're like, whoa, this is way too much. We need to go backwards. Or what was working last week is not working today. You gotta you gotta be okay with always getting on that always getting on that modification on an alteration to find what works best for you that day. Now coming back. So we know it's flexion intolerant. Stop pissing it off by, by slumping on your couch, watching TV for two hours. Um, uh, if you're if you're driving in a car, you know maybe you give yourself a little bit more of a lumbar support or something like that. But um, you you got to be a little bit more diligent of the things that irritate it, not creating fear around that and saying that you always have to do that to not hurt your back. But when things are pissed off, you can't piss it off more. If you sprain an ankle, you don't want to go r- r- you know out doing lateral cuts and shuffling and just straining that ligament that was just sprained more and more. Most people would say, hey, it's probably, it's probably um, uh, prudent of us to, 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 to wait and not irritate that tendon so that it can heal and that you can regain your range of motion and decrease swelling, whatever that might be. So the same is true for the lower back here. Stop pissing it off, okay? And if you don't know how to, Again, you got to work with someone. If you don't know the answer, you got to work with someone to help you find the answer. Now, to reduce the sensitivity, once you have determined, yes, it's irritated by flexing forward, but what do I do to help it feel better? Especially if you just kind of have this like low level, the pain is just there. I can't seem to kind of get it better or I feel really stiff and I'm afraid to move is you have to do a couple things. So we can reduce the sensitivity by actually improving the spinal mobility because again your body's kind of like freaked out something happened you get a lot of muscle guarding and a lot of tension and a lot of spasm and this is where a lot of professions um, get distracted by all those tight muscles and say oh it's a ql issue or it's a paraspinal issue it's a glute issue while those tight spasm muscles definitely cause a lot of pain, especially if they've been spasming for a long time, we have to understand why that why they're freaking out. And you will see a ton of relief by rolling out and doing dry needling and getting massages, so on and so forth. So, and I do those things and I do those things for these individuals, but we can't get confused as to that being the solution, okay? So how do we also improve all of those things on your own? How can you do certain things at home? You can do some self-myofascial release with a, with a lacrosse ball or a trigger point ball. But one of the best things that I found are doorknob squats. And this was purely by accident. Um, I myself, this is probably about four years ago, had my back lock up on me. Um, I was doing heavy Atlas stone um, kind of strongman uh, training. And I just had a couple reps that I wasn't bracing well for and I wasn't positioning myself well. And I was under low fl- lumbar flexion under load, which is okay in some on some movements, but it just did not bode well for me in that scenario. 
And then I was bending over to uh, feed my son Bowden just some food. This was because he was younger, about a year older or a year old. And just that little bit of bending forward, my back locked up. I was locked up for about a week, like really, 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 really bad. So much like to get to the bathroom from my bed, which was only a couple feet. I literally stood up and just like, like tipped over until I fell against the wall. So I wouldn't have to move. And then I kind of shuffled to the bathroom. Um, and nothing I was doing was was touching and helping it until I just started squatting. I could do air squats fine. And I I swear I probably did close to over 500 squats a day and it just got a little looser and I got a little looser and I moved a little bit better and then I was hip hinging, I was squatting more and more and more and more. And I just kept squatting and it was like magic. Like I just went from like a seven out of 10 down to like a three out of four and I could move and I was looser. And then, you know, I might sit for too long and it'd be the same and I just keep going. And, and, and what's really tough is people feel they struggle with knowing like, well, how long should I do it for? And, and it's tough or sorry, not how long I should do it for. It's like, there's no way I can do that with just my body weight. I can't even feel like I can walk. Why would I squat? So these doorknob squats, if you, if you face the edge of a door, you put your hands one side, a hand on each side and you hook your fingers on each side of the doorknobs and you lean back a little bit like your water skiing. This will keep your weight back, but you're, you're taking a lot of your weight and holding on with your arms. So you're reducing the amount of body weight or load into your hips and your spine by kind of water skiing and, 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 and leaning back on your arms. And then you squat. I usually recommend 20 reps uh, for a set. You don't worry about depth. You worry about what feels good. You have a nice wide stance so that you can open your hips and you just try to remain fairly upright um, so that you're not leaning forward into the torso and you just get your hips working and everything working. And I've had people that are locked up on the table who couldn't move and we just did this over and over and over and over again and they were able to walk out with fairly minimal pain and, and that was part of their prescription and just till you can like get a get a hold onto this thing. Because as many of you know, and if you've seen other individuals or other family members have gone through this, you kind of spiral. Like you get set off and then you're and then you're just kind of thinking, crap, like what's gonna happen next? And then you do you sneeze or you cough, you do one wrong movement and then you just get even tighter. And this is one of the things where you're just trying to either stop that cycle and or get the ball rolling in the right direction. So that is like one of my go-tos. And, and when people reach out for some advice um, or, you know, we have uh, uh, clients elsewhere and they're just kind of like in this oh crap mode, did this just happen? Grab a door, start squatting. So that's my number one. Number two are these hip drops. So it looks... Uh, this is this is a variation of the McKenzie exercise, which is great for low back, disc injury, so on and so forth. It it looks the exact same, but we're going to start from the top down. I have found that it's very hard for people to be relaxed and do this exercise the way it's kind of instructed, excuse me, or prescribed from the floor up because you're supposed to push yourself up. And whether that would be just sheer arm strength or the fact that it hurts and it's hard to do it passively and just try to only use your arms and not use your back, starting from the top down seems to work well. So you start on your hands and knees. Your arms are, uh, so it's a quadruped position, just like you would start with bird dogs or uh, cat cows or anything like that. But your hands are going to be in front of your shoulders. So this allows you to um, arch a little bit more. 
hands are slightly in front of your shoulders. You're going to shift your weight forward so that your weight is almost completely on your hands. And then you, and then you just let gravity do its work. You're going to, your hips are going to gently just guide down towards the floor. And then you're going to be in what looks kind of like an upward facing dog or a cobra position, you know, a lot of different names for these, um, depending on uh, what your background is. Now the goal is to be passive and to let gravity do its thing. You don't force anything. Then you come back up and you repeat. We're not coming back up really far. We just come back to the starting positions and then we drop again. Now, this is really beneficial because all those tight muscles that are spasming and guarding now have a chance to actually relax. A lot of those muscles that are on the lower back, their role is extension. And so they're pulling you into constant extension because you don't like going forward and because they're spasming and contracting for hours upon days upon weeks sometimes they just get very tight very hard very fatigued because they don't have a break so what this does if you go into passive extension by going into actual passive extension you're allowing those muscles to calm down you're also letting your spine move in a very non-threatening way so part of what we're trying to establish is better movement the more your spine and the more your body can move in a way that's non-threatening and does not hurt then it starts to loosen up a little bit more and if you can loosen it up, even if it's not in the direction that you're limited, that's good because it's going to keep the mobility and we're not going to feel like we're going backwards by getting tighter and tighter and tighter. Again, all of these, the first, the, the doorknob squats in this, they should be done fairly easily. It's not like we're adding weight or going for speed or going for reps. Um, we're just trying to gently encourage more movement and getting, and getting things um, softer. Now, I will say after that last comment, there are times where I do encourage people to go a little faster because we're so scared and hesitant. Oftentimes when you're encouraged to pick up the pace a little bit, you're forced to actually relax because you're not over analyzing, you're not overthinking and you're not guarding and being tighter. So if I instruct someone to do these doorknob squats and they're doing like a four second de um, descent and a four seconds up, they're just really scared and they're thinking like, I don't want to hurt, I don't want to hurt, I don't want to hurt it. And that might be actually adding, uh, that might actually be detrimental to what we're actually trying to do as far as loosening people up. So sometimes they'll say, hey, let's go a little faster. Let's pick up the pace, maybe give them a tempo to follow. And, and naturally, as they start to get into rhythm and go a little faster, they find that they're actually loosening up a little bit more. It's very hard to be tight and guarded when you're actually moving a little bit faster, but it's, it's under, it's under guidance and under coaching, but something to just take, take into consideration. Now, the last one is because, uh, sorry, let me back up. As we'd already described, a lot of why this happens as far as flexion and tolerance is the world we live in is in front of us. We're always picking stuff up, whether they have kids, whether it's dog food, whether it's uh, whether it's a deadlift, whether it's weights. Um, we live in this world where we're bending forward in front of a sink or chopping veggies, whatever it is, you gotta learn how to bend forward. And there is a caveat with this because while while we're encouraging you to use more of your hips, you do have to understand that we're not creating fear around flexing your spine moving forward. There are absolutely times when you should just bend over, not worry about flexing your spine and be completely fine with that. And then there are other times when maybe not doing that and using more of your hips would be appropriate. And how, who, and who should use what, how much should you use, when should you use that much? There's no right answer. You just have to work with what feels best for you. If, but if you're someone who will never bend their back again because you're afraid to hurt it, and this is the example we had today, 
the or sorry, not today. On Monday, we had a patient who came in. She basically goes every couple months, and then her back will lock up on her. And she basically stated was, well, you know, I was unloading the dishwasher, and uh, I just wasn't thinking. I I normally do the squat so I don't flex my back because I was told not to flex my back. And I, you know, I just wasn't thinking I was on the phone and I went to just go grab, grab some of the dishwasher and I flex and boom, it happened. And, and so we had this conversation about you, if you never flex your spine, what's going to happen when you actually do? Yeah. Your body is going to see it as a threat. You're, you're labeling that as a threat. And the moment you do that, especially if it's, um, maybe unwarranted or unwanted or just random and your body wasn't prepared for it, then it freaks out and it, you know, spasms and locks up on you. So when we're, when we're talking about these things, we're not trying to create fear around flexing your spine. We're just talking about not doing it so much while it hurts. And then as it starts to feel better, you have to recondition to actually learn how to flex your spine and do things under load with spinal flexion so that it becomes conditioned and, 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 and ready to do those things in the future. How much? That's where you get a strength coach, that's where you get a personal trainer, that's where you have a PT or a Cairo that can help you, guide you along those way. Because it's not a just, it's not a just do this and it'll help. And so this individual, you know, we had that lengthy conversation around it, but right now, because she's super sensitive, we basically just taught her how to hip hinge better. It's very hard to do uh, with your feet kind of narrow and just squat all the way down to the ground and stay upright and not flex your lower back if you have to pick something up or if you have to get stuff after the dishwasher. By doing a wider stance, for those of you who do lift, think like a sumo stance or something like that, but by doing a wider stance, you'll actually be able to use more hip range motion. And as a global theme, the more hip range motion you can express and use, then the less loading you'll see in the lower back so on and so forth. So we basically had her in in what felt fairly balanced and comfortable. I'm like go into the widest stance you feel comfortable with. Hands are on your thighs. This is this is called the McGill shortstop. You're simply going to let your butt sit backwards or you're going to push your butt back or you're going to guide your hips and your butt back and your hands are naturally just going to slide to the tops of your knees. So this is a hip hinge. This is a deadlift position. What's important though is the knees are always unlocked and it's driven as a hip movement. So if you think of, um, if you think kind of like a teeter totter or a balance, right? A teeter totter, one side only goes up as high as the other side goes down. And vice versa, one side only goes down as far as the other side goes up. So it's this, it's this balancing lever mechanism that keeps your center of mass on your feet or your base of support. So if your hips move backwards behind your feet, then your shoulders, your torso, and your head must move forward the same appropriate amount. If you don't, then you're going to be on your heels and you're going to feel like you're falling backwards. If you do it the other way, then you're going to be on your toes and you're going to feel like you're falling forwards. But this is this is the basic mechanism uh, of hip hinging and levers and balance and center of mass. And this is important because again, like we said, you live forward. If you need to unload your dishwasher, you can't just be in this like weird squatty tension way. This is going to allow you to start to live your life and start to move more and pick things up and not be so fearful about being in that forward displaced position. And it's going to honestly just allow you to regain a lot of your just activities of daily living around your house, which is huge because the more things you feel like you can't do, then you're just like, crap, I can't do that. I can't do that. And you start mentally getting into that spiral and then physically it might hurt. So then you just kind of keep bouncing around. So we want to give you some opportunities where you can kind of 
still move and do things and interact and be a part of life while we continue to work on the backside with the rehab and the movement and the soft tissue and the, and the uh, adjustments, whatever that is. So those are my top three. They work well. Again, this is not uh, this is not particular to any one of your cases because I don't know your case. So reach out if you have questions, and I'd be glad to help um, clarify any of these. Bring these up to your trainer, to your Cairo, to your PT, to your ortho, and see how they might apply to your case. But I found these to be very, very beneficial for those who have flexion intolerant low back pain, i.e., Anytime you flex forward or bend forward, you don't like it or it hurts or it creates issues. So consider that this is these these are these are saviors for a lot of people. So I hope that it can uh, I hope this conversation uh, can help you specifically and directly. If you know someone, share this. This is this can be the difference of having some hope in your lower back pain and having seen a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so share, 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 please. Uh, for those of you who are listening, if you found this beneficial please write us a review. Uh, it would mean so much to us that we can get your feedback. Uh, we can find that this uh, information and, uh, and content is useful and valuable to you. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Shoot us a comment um, on our um, social media accounts or emails, whatever that is, and, and give us your questions and topics. Like We want to develop more conversations around issues that you're dealing with so that we can help you live loud. We want to help you and guide you to the adventurous life you were, you were meant for. And any way we can do that, we are glad to do so. Until next time, guys, live loud.